welcome to Relaxed Mel, a podcast that helps men change their relationship with themselves. I am your host, Brian, and I am a men's life and mindset coach who is here to help you understand that you don't have to suffer at your own expense. You can live your dream, and I encourage you to set, then pursue your goals. So join me as I change the mindset and attitudes of men so that they can be the leaders of their families and their destiny. Hey, man. Hello and welcome again to Relaxed Mail. All right. We're going to be switching things up once again. Hello. We've got a, yet another interview. It's amazing. Wow. Two within uh, within a month of each other. It's, uh, it's They seem to kind of come in pairs that way, don't they, guys? But um, anyhow, so today I have somebody who is quite a quite a different uh has a different take on what uh what sex is and more specifically how porn actually can affect men he is a uh a author mentor and is actually also into the uh in doing speaking circuit he has written a, a book called uh, Everything You Never Learned About Sex. And we have our guest today is Michael McPherson. Michael, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. And um, so how did you get into the uh, get into this specific uh, topic? Brian, thanks for having me on. That's such a great question to start with. It's It's kind of funny answering this one because... I don't think any kid ever uh, tells their parents that they want to be the quote-unquote sex guy when they grow up, and that certainly yeah, wasn't right. me. But uh, it was really my life experience that led me to kind of take a leap of faith, uh, a courageous step into opening up and sharing about some of the hardships that I experienced in my young life, especially around sex, the topic of sexuality, and certainly my relationship with women that led me to inevitably becoming a, a resource for other people in this particular area. In 2018, uh, my wife and I, we launched a podcast called Humanity, and episode three of that podcast was called Sex, Michael Tells All. So it was a very enticing title for people, and we had quite a few people that listened. And on that episode, I just shared everything, vulnerably and honestly, just exactly as I experienced it. And still to this day, I receive emails from members of my audience uh, on how much of a difference that episode made for them, how much hearing my vulnerability and just what I experienced kind of took some pressure off of them and allowed them to access some things from their own personal experience. And my kind of sore spot throughout my adult life was where are all the men doing this work? Where are, are all the men growing in the area of sexuality and masculinity? And I kept looking outside of myself and into my world and not seeing anyone who was really available to guide me and to lead me. So I decided that it must be me. You know, if, if there's no one else and I'm wanting to have this conversation, it's up to me to start it. And so I did. And, and my intention with the book and my intention with my podcast and my intention with my one-on-one work with men and my speaking is really not to indoctrinate people into another form of dogma. There's plenty of dogma that's already out there. My intention has always been just to open up this conversation because I know that there's worlds within worlds within worlds here that you know we really need to go out to into 
And our freedom is what's on the line if we don't. Okay. And so, well, when you say that uh, your freedom's on the line, what are you actually meaning? How, how, are you, how are we binding ourselves, putting ourselves into, if we're not free, that means that we are, uh, we're, we're prisoners, we're, we're, we're slaves to, to something. So what, what are we actually a slave to? Yeah, well, there's a few different things, you know. Most of us, if you're like me, you had the opportunity to discover the innocence of your sexuality. I mean, I still remember my first time masturbating. It was like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was inspired. I was aroused and I began touching myself. And you know, and the listeners know how that goes. But I I really thought I had discovered magic. At that point in my life, I hadn't had any previous exposure to pornography, any sexually explicit material. So I was really just experiencing the energy in my body when I was masturbating so purely. There was no imagery that I was projecting from my mind. Shortly thereafter, I got introduced to porn. And ever since that time, ever since my introduction to porn, every time I've had an experience of my sexual energy, my, what I call my creative life force, there's been a projection from my mind of sexuality onto it which obviously comes from this system that's in existence called pornography. And it's, it's not just, you know, I talk to a lot of men and you, know, you hear, what's the problem? It's not harming anyone, despite the realistic nature of it that many of the women that you see in pornography are actually victims of sex trafficking. The true harm is on the consumer. You know, it's been proven now that Porn is one of the most harmful substances for a young developing mind because it actually shrinks the prefrontal cortex, which is a part of our brain that's responsible for critical thinking and decision making. Right. So, so there's a, a, a very realistic physiological impact. And not only that, when we, when we tune into pornography and other things like that, there are certain neurochemicals that fire in our brain. Dopamine is a big one that reward us for that activity. And, and that keeps us coming back for more. So not only do we get a, to build a healthy relationship with our sexuality, but we're also being fed uh, a certain program around what sex is, what sex isn't, how it should be done, how the male should look, how the male should perform, how the woman should look, how the woman should perform, and none of it is real. <laughs> right. No, I, I'll agree with you on there because you you, uh, that's probably one of the biggest disillusionments after getting married is thinking that, uh, that's going to be your, your, uh, you're going to be rolling around in the hay for the next, uh, next, you know, year and a half. And <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you get, uh, you get, uh, a, a cold shower thrown on you pretty much. Yeah. It may, it may be a whole lot of fun that first, you know, three, three months worth. But it, shortly thereafter, it's like, yeah, okay, hold up, we're gonna, we, we're not in the mood, and all of a sudden, one of y'all aren't isn't in the mood, and uh, for guys, uh, we a lot, I mean, that's we have a a almost a long running traditional joke uh, where you know, well, I mean, heck, I had a a, a story to it. Uh, it. Well, what I was getting to, let me finish my com <laughs> comment before I jump into the story. Um, is that you know the wife has a headache? You know, there's that that whole uh, that whole excuse to to get the guy to hold back. Sorry, I'm not in the mood. That's you know another way of being able to say that. 
And a lot of it is, I, I would agree, a lot of that is tied to, um, tied to porn. You and a lot of the misconceptions that we have. I mean, and even guys, when especially when you go through that long dry spell uh, in the middle parts of your marriage, and with you uh, being a being a uh, uh, being married I'm here give it about another 15 years and you're going to find that there's there's good chances you're going to find yourself in kind of the the uh proverbial rut and um you're going to a lot of guys step back and they wonder what is it about us what why are we what what did we do to you know to keep our our all of a sudden our 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 hot and beautiful wife just doesn't seem like she cares about us and it's not that you know it's everything she if she goes out and she works she's doing all the work and then she comes home and then there's cleaning up after the kids and getting supper made and you know and granted y'all are probably good chance y'all are actually doing it as a team and mm-hmm. if you're doing a proper enough uh communication yet you know that y'all are y'all are working as a team mm-hmm. and as the and by the time you get finally get all the kids wrestled down and scrubbed and, and cleaned and wiped, uh, got all the day's dirt wiped off and you've got them into bed and you've sat in front of the door for two hours until they finally fell asleep. Cause you know, they didn't, they, they weren't ready for bed, but they're, they're ready for bed. They, uh, you know, by the time you get done, it's like nine 30, 10 o'clock and wife is beat. You may be, kind of tired but you know uh, guys have this ability to uh to when it comes to sex all right well i've got enough energy for that i may have been you know just got finished running a marathon but by gosh let's let's i'm, I'm ready to go and to uh to have her go no i am way tired i am too tired to focus on that as guys start to kind of wonder and you know, think about, you know, how there's, there's all sorts of, there must be something wrong. And that's where the, you know, you get your, um, a lot of the, uh, the little pills that you see at the, uh, at the, the corner drugstore, the, the, the extends and, and all that where they're thinking, yeah, well, maybe it'll help me be bigger. And, and in all reality, no, that's, it's not, it's not that she's, uh, unhappy with that you've had a been told that uh by by outside forces that you know that it needs to be you need to have this uh rather healthy member smacking your knees you know as you walk into the bedroom and it's we we have those wrong misconceptions just as Mm -hmm. women think uh, think that all guys want are girls with with a uh, well endowed rack and and a, a firm round butt and uh, most of the time us guys are very happy with a with a nice slightly pudgy girl so <laughs> yeah there are a, a lot of misconceptions that we get very early on and, and at a very uh, inconvenient and insecure really part of our transition into manhood you don't Puberty is a, a very vulnerable time for both boys <laughs> on, and yeah. girls, but especially yeah, for guys. You know, it's like 
you don't know what's happening to your body. You know you're changing. You're starting to feel different about pretty much everything in your life. And mm -hmm. you've also got these hormones inside of you that are causing you to behave in ways, you know, emotional waves that you've, you've never really experienced before. So it's inherently vulnerable. But then on top of that, to be exposed to something like pornography and see what you see there, which you know, when you when you go into pornography, it's like the, every genre imaginable is right there before your very eyes, just waiting your conception. So, knowing nothing about sex going into that, you see that, we see that, I saw that and thought that's what sex is. Right. And if I'm not six foot two chiseled with a massive penis, then I'm not going to be able to pleasure a woman. So, in, inherently, it, it bore insecurities in me that weren't mm -hmm. there already. And so now my actions with women and my actions in the sexual space are to compensate in a big way for my perceived insecurities about myself. Right. And so how old are you, Michael? I'm 31 years old. 31. Okay. So yeah, you're just right there at the cusp of uh, from Gen X leading over into, uh, into, uh, into the millennials. So mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of the older side of the millennials group. From what I understand. Yep. I'm trying uh, to lead the rest of them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's good. Cause the, with being the millennial, there's probably actually, I would agree that there is probably one of the biggest challenges for millennial men is the fact that I think y'all probably did have access to hard, porn and when i say hard porn i mean it's actual the the old-fashioned triple x stuff where they get get the camera right up next to every all the working parts and and give you every every grimy detail while as i was growing up i'm 47 so it was a big deal when you discovered the playboy magazine you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. now there and if you got real lucky you may have known somebody who had a collection of penthouse magazines and the closest that you were able to get to the hardcore porn on in the old penthouse there at the end before they closed penthouse away they started to go into more of the hustler territory where they were starting to show more more actual uh, sexual acts but uh whenever i was from junior high to high school you know, it was, I mean, well, shoot, I remember actually uh, looking at JCPenney catalogs and get to the get to the lingerie department. I was like, oh, hey, girls in their underwear. There you go. And so totally. I remember looking at that. And then first time you discover a, a Playboy and it's, oh, hey, hey, the bra is gone. Holy smokes. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's other things underneath that, underneath that lacy garment. And as you... Uh, the closest to, to hardcore, most of us Gen Xers and before actually had growing up was like in penthouse. They had like the penthouse forums, which are actually just, you know, they were supposed to be these letters of things that have actually happened because they always started. I would never thought these letters were true until, you know, this happened. Mm -hmm. And that's from there, they would go into these, these tales of, of, of how they came across this girl and she all, you know, her clothes basically exploded off of her and they went off and into the woods or didn't whatever it was. And so we had to actually use our imaginations mm -hmm. a lot more for the actual 
sexual acts. Now, somewhere down the road, you may come across someone whose dad had a VHS tape of a, of a, of a porn movie. And so you got to watch that. And then all of a sudden, everything really started to click that you heard about in, in, uh, in science class. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there was for, for the millennial group, I mean, you know, from the time they're able to sit down in front of a computer you know, even when they're trying to look up, you know, green latex paint, you know, you're going to come up across something where you're like, oh, whoa, 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 let's, let's, you know, don't need to go there. It's so I can see where actually I think the millennials really have a harder time. And I've heard that men, even in their 20s these days, are actually having erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. which is, I mean, for, for me to hear is absolutely crazy. It's like, dude, no, that's, I was still walking around with a perma boner because, <laughs> you know, it was like, Oh, Hey, there's a girl. Oh, Hey, there's a, Oh, Hey, there's a girl. Oh, Hey, hello. There's another, you know, and we would, you know, we almost used it as a divining rod just about whenever you'd go to the, go to the club and to, I, I almost, I, I, well, not almost, I do. I feel sorry for, for you know, 20 year old guys who have from the age of maybe 10 or 11 who've discovered porn and have worked that, that when their, their pink squishy brains were even more malleable mm. to, to work that in, to have it to where that's the only way they can get off is to see a graphic image instead of the joy of actually being with a, with an actual girl. I find that mm-hmm. to be really sad, but there is actual, actually hope. And it's interesting that we're talking about this in November because, and I don't know how exactly who came up with it, but November, not, not only is it no shave November, but apparently now they have thrown no nut November, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what all that <laughs> fully <laughs> entails, but it's an interesting experiment to see if you can stay away from the porn and well, also you're not, you're laying off of masturbation for that, for that month and to see what, what happens to you. So what happens if, how long have you noticed or been able to do any research as to how, if you have a guy who has been raised himself on, on hardcore porn and like any type of drug, which you're, you're getting a hit of a dopamine for, uh, for a reward of doing this. But that receptor stays clogged up with the with that dopamine, so you have to generate more to get to add, to to get the same punch of mm-hmm. of, uh, of excitement. Mm-hmm. So once you've really overloaded everything, and now you're just you're standing in front of a uh, your the the girl next door who you've always kind of had a crush on, and she's actually kind of ready to go, and you're not. What if there is actually hope and a way ways for guys to actually reprogram themselves to get back into the to get their as as Austin Power says get their mojo back? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things people can do, and in, in really stepping away from pornography, stepping away from masturbation, even for a month, is really an exploration. It's an adventure. It's it's trying something new. You know, most of us, 
uh, pornography and masturbation is either a daily or a weekly use for more than a decade, if not two decades of our lives. So when we look at it just in terms of a habit, you know, coffee drinking is a habit that most people have. Right. Or, you know, there's plenty of other examples of just ordinary habits. But having a habit for that long, it's almost as if we forget what it could be like or would be like if that wasn't part of our lives. So it's an experiment, like you're saying, to just find out what else is possible here. What happens if I don't, quote unquote, nut in November? How will I feel? What will happen to my body? Will I feel more energized? And that's what most people find is that, you know, when when we're exerting our seed like this, it is actual energy inside of our body that is then leaving our body. And that's not to scare people and say that if you do this, you're going to lose your vitality. Yeah. And you're going to. What was it used to be? The. uh, Was it the. There was some culture, and that was what their thought was, was that you only had, or at least that, I think that might have just even been an uh, internet joke that, you know, after a while, you you would wind up using all your energy up, and that's when you would die, was because you threw away all your extra gas, so to speak. Totally. Yeah, that belief is out there, and that's not what I believe. I believe this energy is universal. I believe it's endless. It's boundless. It's something we can tap into as often or as little as we'd like to, but it matters what we do with it. You know, it's energy, and energy can be used for good things, and energy can be used for not so good things. We know there's a lot of harm that comes from pornography use, not just real world, but on the actual user. You know, you have erectile dysfunction, which is really sad, like you mentioned, but you also have premature ejaculation, which is, you know, when you train your body to respond to sexual stimuli with ejaculation in two minutes or less, that's really not going to benefit you when you actually get in a sexual situation with a woman. You know, it's probably going to lead to embarrassment, to shame, and then add more to your plate than was even there in the first place. So porn in in a lot of ways is a safe space for men to have a sexual experience because there isn't actually anyone else there. You know, you're alone. You can be with as many women as you want to, as many times as you want to, and you're never going to underperform. You know, that's the that's the training that we get. And it also teaches us a lot about women. We It teaches us to think and believe that women are these sex-crazed animals that have the same sexual appetite as men, and they just want to be ravished and and they want it to be intense and even rough, which isn't necessarily true. That's only no. one no, very most of them small really, honestly, part. Don't care to be be treated in rough manner. Exactly and, in in and, appropriate times and spaces, maybe. But it's right. like you got to create so much safety. Exactly between right. you and your partner, and it goes you... way beyond just using some safe word. Exactly. So exactly, and I mean, and I agree. That's what you're saying. Uh, with a lot of that and the, and with guys, especially when we get older and this is, there's actually something that I have been battling with. I ended up developing a, a theory that, um, cause while, uh, in our, in my marriage, we ran into, into a problem where it was, we, we did hit those, those sexual doldrums. And there was a lot of issues. And honestly, the vast majority of the issues, now that I have uh, have looked back on it, is actually my fault. I was not stepping up to the, to the plate. But I ended up, you know, 
developing this this outlandish theory that in all reality most women actually don't like sex and that's what you get to to the uh a lot of guys actually get around to thinking and i mean you get the the like i said that you have the the age-old uh excuse of my my head hurts and there's you know and other instances uh like that where you know everybody talks about these particular ruts and i convinced myself that there was this this little underlying bit of, of pseudo truth that women didn't like sex and they only had sex for three different reasons that was to find a guy to keep a guy and to have kids and um i uh i've been changing my my that that particular narrative i still run up against it from time to time. And I don't know if it was, became a reason for a, just something defensive to, for me to actually, you know, to, to go, well, that's, that's okay. Let's just, you know, it's to, to, to pad against, you know, a bruised ego or something, mm-hmm. but, um, it, uh, it, it has been shifting and has been a bit, a uh, bit eye opening because, I have talked to other people and I've learned that no, it's, you know, it guys of most of the time when we hit those doldrums, it's because the guys have stopped acting like men. Yeah. We come in, we, we may have gone out, we may have done our, done our, uh, our daily job. We've gone out, we've slayed the dragons, but after that, we just kind of, drop the ball we don't have the same communication levels that we used to have when we were younger mm. we don't do the everything that we complain about the about the women not doing is uh, the same things that, that men a lot of times don't do and for the same a lot of times for the very same reasons mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know us guys we get we get tired it's like get grief i just i got i just got finished uh you know on the McKendrick proposal for, and just got spent, spending, you know, 80 hours this week on, on, on that particular uh, project. And I get home and, you know, the wife wants to talk and I just want to unwind. Come on, give me a, you know, give me 30 minutes to unwind. And we don't ever express that. It's a lack of communication and women like to have, like to make sure that we have communicate. We talk, and there's communication. And believe it or not, us guys actually like communication too. It's just we forget that we have two different radio channels a lot mm-hmm. of times because mm-hmm. there's the you know women they talk more on a on a feeling based level, while you know the guys want to get stuff fixed. <laughs> and so we have to we have to figure out it's it's not about the nail uh, if you ever saw that video so <laughs> i i get what you're i get what you're saying so how do so with your let's see if i can get uh kind of arced back over to to the book everything you never learned about sex what are some of the things that you that uh you actually teach about uh, or that you explain to to folks in your book, what like what's what are a few things that we we never did learn about sex? Yeah, there's quite a few things. And first and foremost, in the book, I share my story and just my personal hardships growing up, 
having right. learned about uh, sex for the first time, being introduced to porn, uh, my addiction to porn, how that led me to relate to women, the shame that developed over time, these other things that I did uh, that were very shameful in terms of my relationship to sex and how that kind of spit me out the other side at the age of 27, pretty far from my innocence. So it's all about recovering something that, one, we either experienced very briefly when we were young, our sexual innocence, or two, for a lot of us, especially that people that experienced abuse and trauma never got to experience. And how we do that is by going inward. And I know that sounds super simple, and certainly there's a whole spiritual world out there that's all about going inward. But in, in this particular area of life, men especially hide a lot of their wounds, hide a lot of their pain. Right. You know, ra- rather than going in and doing the deep work of healing, let's say, young life trauma or young life painful experiences, we sexualize what I call our wounds and then we, we go out in the conquest and conquer of women to avoid having to feel our pain. And that was the case for me, absolutely, especially as it relates to my father. Uh, and I know this is kind of a, a, a perfect place to talk about this with you because mm-hmm. you too are a father. And, you know, I, I, there are certain things that a son always desires to know, feel, and hear from his father. And, and one of those big things is to have the certainty of knowing that he is, in fact, a man. He does have what it takes to be a man in the world. And when we don't hear that, like I didn't hear from my father, which I'm totally over blaming that generation. I'm totally over even blaming my father. I love my father. He's an amazing man. But when we don't hear those things, we leave our young life, our teenage years into adulthood with the question of, am I really a man? Do I really have what it takes? And then we search for ways to validate our masculinity. Now, some people choose sex. That's what I chose. My relationship with women, my sexual conquest with women to prove that I'm a man. The more notches I had on my belt, the more of a man I was. Other people do it in different areas of life with their career, with money. The more money they have, the more of a man they are. Right. But the fact is, it all points to the same thing, either the wounding we have in our childhood and young life or something that we didn't hear from our father that we really desire to hear, which is you are a man, you have what it takes, go out into the world and live your life, you're a man now. And so that initiation for a lot of men is missing. And because we don't have that, it kind of leaves us flailing about through life trying to figure out who we are, how we measure whether or not we're a man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which leads us to behave in ways that don't have a lot of integrity. Uh, So what I teach men is, is first and foremost, let's go back. We're adults now. We have a certain level of maturity. Most people never even go back to review their young life and the way it impacted them, believe it or not. They're so busy in their day-to-day routine that they never take the time to go and reflect. So I say, hey, I say, hey, let's pause for a second. Let's let's pause here. Let's take a few breaths and let's examine what actually happened in our lives. And let's look at how we were impacted. For me, I was exposed to porn and I had a boatload of insecurities that then I tried to mask for 15 years. You know, I never heard that I was a man from my father. So I questioned it and I went on sexual conquest to try to prove to myself primarily 
that I was a man. You know, I absorbed certain um, ways of being from my father that were condescending and belittling of women. And I took those things into my relationships. And again, it's not to blame my dad or anyone's father for that reason. Everybody's just doing the best they can with the tools that they have, with the upbringing that they have, their own life experiences. My dad's amazing. But it's to evaluate and take responsibility for those things in my life because it's 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 I'm the one and the people interacting with me are the ones that are being impacted. So it's up to me to do something about it. And so Excellent. a lot of that, you mentioned uh, women and men being different, which they very much are, you know, Mars and Venus, the whole thing. Right. But it, part of uh, going back for men specifically, and this is a big part of my journey, was learning to feel again. You know, a okay. big part of our conditioning. Now, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, a big part of our conditioning is, you know, toughen up, uh, toughen up, stiffen up your lip, little soldier, you know, uh, don't cry, be a man, don't be such a pussy. All the things that we hear as young men and little boys that cause us to look at emotions, feeling, emotional expression as not a good thing, a bad thing, and something that's going to get us picked on, ridiculed, or belittled. Um, Okay. So, so, so when you're, when you're talking about, about that, so you're, cause I, I, I see, I kind of understand, but at the same time, men, I have the, the thought and the belief, and I understand a belief is nothing more than, than a thought that you perceive to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, men, because of our, of our history of being the, protector of a family um there's a time where we need to process our uh, those emotions mm-hmm. yeah we all have emotions i mean men most men know that we understand it and that's one of the reasons why a lot of men who uh who come back from like the war like you may have heard stories of uh your grandfather your great grandfather coming back from either uh, World War II or the Korean War and they or the Vietnam War and mm-hmm. they never talked about it they never shared what they saw there and that's mm-hmm. you know because of them of their their mean that was how they processed those particular emotions and I've always taken that men we and I guess that would be a level of the stoicism that most that most men have Mm-hmm. Where there's a time and a place for everything, and letting your emotions get in the way in the heat of a quote unquote battle, whatever that battle ends up being, whether it's uh, you're you've had a uh, you had a car accident and you're needing to make sure that everybody's okay and check on uh, on the other party that ended up maybe running into you or you ran into them. You know, there's those be either whether it be that or an actual, you know, war type of situation. We have to kind of know how to take those emotions and set them off to the side mm-hmm. before and get this situation taken care of and then come back and actually process it. So are you saying actually probably one of the things that most men might need to or what a lot of men may forget to do is actually go back to let's review 
is that is is that what uh, when you're saying to to get back into into the feeling of uh, or to understand your feelings and uh, and stuff is that I may be slaughtering the question now, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I understand um, what you're saying. Is that is that kind of where where you're going? Definitely, in a sense, and and most of the time we don't live in a warlike scenario. And I I definitely understand what you're saying. There are different archetypes that we step into when when they're called upon, and certainly when our family is threatened, our loved ones are threatened, or our brothers in the field are threatened, we rise to the occasion, and it's not a time for us to be uh, emotional. And most of our life is is not a situation like that. So what I say is, yeah, it, it is important to revisit our emotions or even be connected to our emotional body, not because we want to be like women or we're supposed to be more like women, but because emotions are energy that gets stored in the body anytime they're not expressed. And right. obviously there's I a scale. There's a scale of emotions. I'm not saying every time you stub your toe, you should cry and Go and tell your wife and and ask her to hold you because she's probably not going to be very attracted to you. Yeah, you do that. Oh, good God, not again, man. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so not going to help with the chemistry between right. the two. She may of actually you. be the one that tells you to stop. put your get big boy panties on. Get get out there and go do. <laughs> That's right. But there are more serious things that all of us experience in our life. Even you know, for men, the death of a loved one, the loss of their father. There's right. a lot of really deep experiences, emotional experiences that we don't give ourselves permission to feel because we're so tied to a certain way that we think we should be according to our culture, according to society, according to our history. And again, not to make that wrong, it's just to look and say, hey, how is that really working for us? And as it relates to sex and intimacy, you know, women desire to be opened. The 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 key to a woman's body, to a woman's you know, that region of her body is through her heart. And anyone who's been in a relationship knows that. Certainly, you can turn your woman on, you can get her sexually excited, all the things. But for long-lasting sexual intimacy, it's through a woman's heart. And to access the woman's heart, to access your woman's heart, my woman's heart, we need to be connected to our heart. You know, and for most men, even something as simple as, you know, when I was young, I had a couple of girls that broke my heart. You know, innocent love, right? I was young and in high school. Insanely hot. That's right. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life. I spent three years in my high school years uh, wooing this woman and thinking she was going to be my wife and all the fantasy and, you know, the Disney characters, the whole thing. (laughs) And then, you know, when I my senior year I went to a I'm sorry my junior year her senior year I went to a dance with her and you know the chemistry were there we were dancing together it just felt like tonight was going to be the night next thing I know I'm at this after party and she's making out with another guy right in front of me and it just crushed me Mm -hmm. and that was innocence that was my innocent heart right there that got crushed and I remember in that moment thinking you know I'm, I'm never gonna be in a situation where a woman can hurt me like this again Right. And so I decided that was a powerful decision that I made. Yeah. I'm never going to be in that position again. I'm never going to reveal my cards. I'm never going to show a woman how I really feel because obviously I'm going to get hurt if I do that. So I'm going to be, you know, Casanova. I'm going to be a macho man. I'm going to play it cool and never show my cards. 
And that absolutely impacted my relationships. That absolutely impacted the sexual intimacy over time. You know, it's easy to have sexual chemistry when you're in the infatuation phase. Oh, yeah. And, and most men, because they don't want to face the work that's there for them to do, and this is what I did, just bounce around from one relationship to the next, riding the high of infatuation. I also talk about this in my book. It's like we're actually addicted to the chemicals of infatuation. But when the infatuation wears off, we think something's wrong. Exactly. Or we think something's wrong with a relationship. We think, okay, this must not be the person for me. When really, it's just we've never gone beyond this point in a relationship. Right. And so we, we lack the emotional maturity to process that. And so what okay. I'm inviting men into is, is to be aware of their emotions and to honor the ones that are real. Not necessarily turn into a woman or to feel every willy-nilly little thing, but to honor the real things in your life right? so that okay. they don't close you off, right? Right. Okay, so with, okay, because you, you, you kind of, I recognize the whole being stuck in the infatuation, because I, I find myself still these days, you know, looking back going, good grief, why can't me and my wife go be like teenagers and go sit in the car and, and, and go neck for an hour or two, just, you know, <laughs> and there, there is that, that I guess being stuck in that infatuation phase. So if you do find that, if you do sit back and, or one of our, one of the listeners sits back and, and starts thinking about it and goes, dude, I, I, we all, you're right. We all love to be in that infatuation phase, the energy, the romance, the, the fire, the, you know, that's where you get to try all the cool kinky stuff. And that's how do you get what's needed to be done to get past that? Okay. What? Okay. So if we're in the infatuation phase, refresh my memory. What's after in the infatuation phase? What's after it? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you have the infatuation phase, and typically after the infatuation phase, that's when all the real shit comes in. That's when uh, everyone's behaviors get exacerbated. You start to really see the things that you don't like about your partner. They start to really see and hone in on the things that they don't like about you. And for the most part, it's a full-out war, uh, two sides, two parties faced at each other. When What I want to do is get people moving, get couples moving in the same direction together, and you know, to, to overcome the perceived quote unquote loss of inspiration, it's really just an invitation into greater intimacy. So if you think of it as like a glass ceiling, you've hit your glass ceiling for your ability or your depth, if you will, maybe the ceilings below us or imagining it below us. Now we've hit a wall to, or a barrier to intimacy And we have a decision to make right there. Do we go beyond this and find tools and teachers and mentors to go beyond this? Or do we bail out, jump ship, uh, call it a loss and try again? Or for most men, repeat the same cycle again. Right. And sadly, that's what most of us guys do is we get get to that point where everybody's idiosyncrasies start to really appear and decide you know what i'm getting tired of her leaving the toilet seat up and it's and and that's what i get yeah you're that would be where 
most people want to say that they fall out of love, though it's actually not possible to fall out of love because you're the only one who can actually feel that emotion of being uh, of love. Mm-hmm. And so it, so with if you're when you find yourself okay what what would be a good tip for guys if they mm-hmm. are, they do find themselves in that in the in those doldrums and they're like yeah. all right let's I, i've tried everything else out um let, let's give give michael's advice a, a, a whirl what is one way to kind of spark that rekindling of intimacy yeah i'm i'm really a fan of honesty and so my style takes probably oh you just blew everybody's mind with that one it's like oh really we gotta be on oh gee whiz (laughs) i know supposed to look her deep in the eye and go you know uh, love you all right now yeah so look i mean i get it but there's so many things that we create that are overly complex that could be oh, way man. simpler in terms of solutions. And I know you know that. I know men in general know that. And men, for the most part, are really simple creatures. Oh, and so a lot of times, the only thing required is actual admittance, revealing. You know, to, to And of course, not from a place of blame, not from a place of make wrong to say, hey, I feel this way and it's your fault. That's not the point because that's really not going to be for your actions. Yeah. To just say, hey, can I talk to you? You know, I've been feeling this way lately. I've been a hard time. It's been a hard time for me feeling connected to you or I don't know. I feel like we've kind of lost our mojo in a way or whatever. However you would express that that's unique to you in your relationship. Chances are because there's two people involved, your wife, your partner, the woman you're seeing is going to feel the same way. And both of you are going to feel relieved that somebody actually brought it to the surface and you can talk about it now. And there may not even be that much to talk about. It may be the fact that you just have the freedom to admit that in your relationship that has you both feel, again, you know, to touch upon freedom, more free and right. therefore more of your energy available to get busy to right. okay to, to be with each other in an intimate way so yeah to be honest about it and that's where being emotionally mature comes in because again how most men would play something like that out is they'd be passive about it they'd be resentful about it they'd nitpick at little things right and, and that is not the way to approach it. You want to take it, approach it head on, and just be totally transparent and honest from a loving way because you're obviously with this person because you care about them. And if you don't actually care about them, you should probably do you and her a favor and leave, right? <laughs> right. Stop dragging people around. But if, if, if you're with somebody and you really care about them, trust that they can handle your honesty. And if they can't, that's a good litmus test for the relationship condition of the relationship right exactly okay. the other piece is men have to take responsibility for what they're up to in life so a lot of men really and i don't want to say a lot there are, there are men that are not up to enough in life they're not living into their true heart's desires right. they're, they're not living their dreams small exactly and that creates someone that's resentful. Now, an easy target is our 
partner. Mm-hmm. So we're, our resentment, it has nothing to do with them, but because we spend the most time with them, they're around us mostly, they're in our home, we take it out on them. And that's something for us to look at and be responsible for. Where is my dissatisfaction in myself getting projected onto my partner? And that also applies sexually, too. Okay. How, how am I blaming my partner for my own sexual dissatisfaction when it's really not about sex for me? It's I'm searching for a, a feeling of fulfillment that I'm not finding in my life right now. And that's my responsibility to change. That's my responsibility to look at. So most men aren't up to big things in the world. And because they're playing small, they nitpick at their partners. And then you get in a relationship where the two of you are fighting all the time and it's, it has nothing to do with the relationship. It's just that you don't, you don't have the preoccupation to focus on something bigger, you know? Yeah. Wow. Guys right there. If you need to back it up about five minutes and listen to all that again, because that is probably one of the hardest things you will have to do for relationship. And it's not saying that, no, you're running, not running around being deceitful. You're not running around being dishonest. You're not lying in to your wife all the time, but, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Michael, but there's times where there's actually, we omit so much. Mm-hmm. We uh, we use the excuse of well I don't need to bother them they've got uh, they've got other things to worry about and so I don't need to bother them and so we we dish off and and just set and slide back and quite honestly play small because we don't want to bother our our spouse. Or a partner. Mm. Is that what is that would you agree to that in kind of a nutshell? Yeah, I don't think it's as much as we wanna we don't wanna bother our partner. You know, men are for the most part there there is a little bit of like lonerness in them. Uh the lone wolf. It that's right. not necessarily a different or a disempowering thing for men. For men to go away and find solace and find peace on their own, it's really important because, you know, we're all meant to connect with whatever you want to call it, God, spirit, the universe. We're meant to be connected with our creator, whoever your creator is for you. And that's a really important piece to men and men's health and, and our connection to our purpose. So it's it's empowering for us to not externalize everything and share every single thought, emotion, and feeling that we have. In fact, if we did, we'd probably make ourselves and our partners miserable. You know, they'd realize what a maniac we were, and they'd probably leave. So that's not what we're saying here. But what we are saying is to yes, be honest, to not be deceitful, to not run around behind the scenes, which a lot of men do, right? Right. They they don't do. talk about things, and then next thing you know, they're uh, watching pornography behind the scenes, they're connecting with other women emotionally, they're sleeping with other women, which is obviously a total breach in contract, especially when right. it comes to marriage. Oh, especially, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you have to be able to have a certain level of honesty, but the big thing is, it's it's not, 
what we're taking out on our partner for the most part is our disappointment in ourselves. Okay. The, the fact that we are not living up to who we know we can and should be, who God ordained us to be, the person that God created us to be. And that is what gets externalized because that's a tough thing for a guy to admit to himself. Right. That's a that's a really tough pill for a guy to swallow. Like, man, I really know I'm not living up to my potential right now. And to admit that is incredible, incredibly empowering. But most people won't. Most men especially won't admit that. And then they'll spend their lives taking it out on the people around them. It just so happens that the people that are closest to us is our wife, our partner, our beloved. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good stuff right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. You could almost, guys, take this and tie this also in with what Trip Lanier said over uh, on the uh, How to Raise Dangerous Boys, because Trip talked a lot about. Uh, why men actually uh, play uh, end up playing it small? Uh, they don't. They don't reach for the the grander things. They don't take those those chances. And a lot of the and I think a lot of those chances that we don't take also come in the form of our relationship. Of course, he also says that it's um, that uh, we are always in pursuit of, uh, of four things. And that is freedom, love, um, freedom, love, uh, oh, correct. What is it? Peace. And, oh, crud. I forgot what the third one. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, he's got a, there's a fourth one. Um, freedom, love, or no freedom. Ah, Freedom, love, aliveness, and peace mm. is what it is. Flap. Um, and with that love, that was that would be where this the the love segment w- would actually fit into is with what what you're talking about, where it's um, where yeah we we have actual opportunities to actually be. Uh, more intimate, feel that more, uh, feel more love in our life. But um, a lot of times we we come across, come up against that uh, a barrier, be it fear or whatever, and that that keeps us from actually wanting to, or not wanting, but keeps us away from being able to achieve that, that level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And with, and when you combine that with, with what you were just, what you were just talking about, I can see how that does prevent the uh, the intimacy and the connection that we actually want, 
and need in our life because we need need uh, connection with other humans, especially mm-hmm. the connection with our with our spouse. And when we don't feel that connection, that's when we start really messing up and we start either running around playing the victim, throwing a victim card around saying, well, it's she, I, I'm not, uh, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't want to have sex with me anymore, or she doesn't want to go out and do anything fun. She's this, or she's that we're always wanting to take our personal power and actually throw it away. We take that as you call it energy and we apply it into things that are not actually helping, not actually being constructive to the actual relationship. We actually transfer that energy, that power, that, that drive. And instead of applying it into the more constructive areas where we actually do take the time, we actually, you know, we turn the television off uh, on our wife and we go, Hey, come on. I've got, I've got a surprise for you. And you actually take her out and, you know, spend just a very quiet one-on-one time with each other. That's where a lot of time, I think that's, it does take work. It does take energy and it does take a, a big level of vulnerability to even just have the conversation of, well, why do we not have sex as much as we, we used to? To ask even those those types of questions and to be able to ask those in a way where you're not, as you said, not throwing uh, throwing blame around going, why why do you hate sex so much? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, yeah. one, you're not helping the conversation a- in any way. You're immediately causing your spouse, your girlfriend or whatever to go into the defensive. And when someone's got their def- behind their defensive barricade, there there's no there's no way to connect because you, they've got that emotional wall put up already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i promise okay. you if, if you ask that question you know even just honestly why are we not having sex as much as we used to or why are we not having sex anymore and you really listen and you don't have your defenses up and and you just open heart open ears you will land somewhere that you're not right now you know your wife mm-hmm. will open up to you in a way that she hasn't before. And that's going to be a turn on for her. Because most of the time they just want to be seen, celebrated and heard. And, you know, when, when we're in our victimhood and and complaining and griming and, you know, like you said, you said it so well about focusing our energy on things that aren't constructive. We're not, not listening. And, you know, we, for the most part, think that, uh, we should just automatically feel a certain way in relationship. You know, you get in a relationship with a woman and it should just be good. You should have great sex. You should feel happy. You should feel energized. She should want to pleasure you in all the ways that you desire to be pleasured. And that's just not the reality of the situation. You know, we have a tremendous power to inspire intimacy in our relationship. And I promise you, for the men that are listening, if you inspire intimacy, if you lead in the realm of intimacy in your relationship, your woman will fall in love with you all over again. <laughs> she will be um, she will be so wowed for you that she will open every part of herself to receive you, right. not just sexually. Yeah, that's mind, heart, and soul. 
Absolutely. Right. And that's the kind of love we're here for. And oh, you know absolutely. what? It's it it's risky. It's risky. It's, love is God, risky. Yeah, it scares the Jesus out of a lot of people. That's right. And that's what makes it such an adventure if you're really living it. You know, we talk about aliveness. Adventure is being alive. We all want to go on a grand mm-hmm. adventure. You can go on a grand adventure in your relationship, and it doesn't have to look like you being on a plane to somewhere new every single weekend. Right. The adventure is really exploring new depths in yourself and in each other. And if you can do that, you're really going to set yourself up for success <laughs> in the long term. And you're really going to feel alive in your relationship because any man that's been with his wife for any amount of time knows that when the relationship is thriving, the man is thriving. When the Precisely. relationship is healthy, that's a that's a strong foundation for the man to then step out into the world and serve, which is really what we're here for. Absolutely. All right. Well, amazing uh, conversation here, here, but uh, we have, we're, we're breaking records here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is, which is awesome. Um, so guys, we're going to go ahead. Let's, well, as we wrap this up, uh, Michael, you've got, um, there's, uh, uh, tell everybody how you, uh, how they can actually uh, get your book if they're interested. Yeah. So if you're looking for my book, it's everything you never learned about sex. Take back your masculine power and use your sex energy for good. It's available on Amazon, Bards and Noble and IndieBound. So you can search for it there uh, and purchase it there as well. If you can't find it there for any reason, you can find it on my website, www.michaelmcpherson.co, co.co. And there you can also find access to the one-on-one work that I do, and you can access some other free resources that are there just to kind of help or lend men a helping hand in the realm of sex and relationships. Awesome. And is do you have um, is do you have any uh, your social media anything like that that you wanted to share? Yeah, I'm not huge on social media. It's really okay. not my thing. I try to stay that, off it as much as I can. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people I, uh, are, are fleeing, uh, fleeing the social media platforms. and actually, I'm, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm almost afraid they're going back to, to smoke signals, and I'm not very good at building a fire. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I, I am on Instagram, so if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at Michael J. McPherson, at Michael J. McPherson, so you can connect with me there. Feel free to send me a message, interact with any of the content I've already shared, and yeah, there's also resources to, in my profile, all the other links that you'll be able to find. All right. All right. Well, guys, uh, if you have any questions, anything like that, Definitely, I know that Michael has a link on his site where you can actually reach out and contact him. If you have mm-hmm. any questions or anything like that uh, for Michael, please send them out over to him. Uh, again, you can find his uh, you can find his site over at michaelmcpherson.co. Co. And he's got a lot of a lot of great uh, information on there. I've been digging the uh, his podcast. And guys, if you're, he, when I talk about him being on a, on a different level with his, uh, when he talks about podcasts, he's, he's definitely, if you're, if you're, if you're very solidly grounded and very practical, the, the podcast may be a little, a little different 
for you. But <laughs> definitely, as you listen to it, listen to it with, and with a with a as open of a mind as you can have because he's got a lot of great information in it, on on his podcast, uh, and and that is uh, that is the humanity. And you can also find that over on his site at uh, michaelmcpherson.co. So, Michael, again, man, I appreciate it tremendously that you were able to come on here. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and just as as powerful and, and insightful help that it was for, for my men. I so appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for having me on and thanks for providing such a platform and a resource for men like me and other men to come and connect and do this kind of work. Well, thank you. So, All right, guys. Y'all take care and uh, we will see you next week. Till then. Bye.